Hi, this is JD from When the Lights Go Out. Do not change your channel. This is just a brief interruption and signal. Because, <laughs> kind of ironic as we're talking about some of the pitfalls of live theater. Um, so we recorded the first half of this episode about Next to Normal. Um, not knowing that Sam's microphone wasn't running or working. So enjoy this supercut of a bunch of different phrases from the viewpoint of my microphone, because Sam's was cut out and I didn't check it in time to notice that it wasn't working. We do talk a bit about, you know, very serious subjects in this episode. The first half is kind of jokey-jokey just to, you know, <laughs> just so all this footage isn't entirely lost. Um, but it is mostly about, like, very serious things like suicide and mental illness and the pharmaceutical industry, so... This isn't to make these topics look light, but realistically, we're just trying to bring some levity into what are very dark situations. And I think that the book writers of this show, Next to Normal, would kind of agree in that sentiment. We also talk a bit about the opera Tosca towards the end, and my experience going to see Gypsy over in Fort Myers. So enjoy this very quick episode. Um, we also have a much bigger episode with our very first guest next week so please listen to the end of this one if you enjoy this content Ugh. and stick around for next week where we have our very first guest on the lovely benjamin chaffetz aka Susie toot from mary poppins the musical now currently running at Slowburn theater thank you and i think it's time we have a toast a toast Shut the fuck up! <laughs> I hate you. I hate her. This is the conditions I have to deal with on this podcast. There's a lot to unpack in this show that I'm gonna try and keep it as like light as possible today. No, because well, the hot ones I'm telling you, uh, the hot gay ones are on Broadway. I'm gonna make it, Mom. I'm going to Broadway. I gotta say, no, you know where they are. No, you know where they are. Where the hot ones are, Hades Town. You've never seen Hades on Broadway. You don't know how hot they are on Hades on Broadway. Because on the Broadway version, oh, those men on the Broadway version, they can work, they can build my walls and break them down. You're early. I missed ya. I called it like a dark comedy in the way that like Repo the Genetic Opera or like Little Miss Sunshine is like a dark comedy. You know, it's like there's comedic moments to it. You know, it's like those like commercials where it's like the white woman dancing and then it's this and just says like, Side effects include loss, nausea, heartburn, indigestion, loss of vision, blurriness, also death. Yeah, it was like SSRIs, and it was like, it's like, it seemed, and I kind of talked to people, and it's like this, it's not to say that, you know, you shouldn't go on meds, it's not to say that this is some like, especially Spotify, sorry. Spotify, we trust the, we trust the science, we trust the medical industry. Well, no, he didn't, she didn't drop him, he had like a stomach, he had like a impacted like stomach or something. Listen, I was dropped and I'm still here. Touch grass, go outside, it's all in your head, it's fake. It's fake. We don't believe in science over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dr. Fauci should be arrested. No, I'm kidding. 
Natalie. It's like mama. If you want, if you want to fall from grace, you gotta go from a kid who gets like you know near perfect FCAT scores to like a two the next year because they fell because they fell asleep on the reading FCAT even though they've been able to read since they were six. Yes, it's about me. Well, it's, it takes place in Portland, in like suburban Portland. Yeah, you know what? You know what's my thing with this and like Encanto and like everything, everywhere all at once. All these musicals and like media about family trauma. I always know it's fiction because the parents apologize because it resolves that so easily. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on there. That's not realistic. So we're seeing in a black box theater, and the Zoetic stage is like, you know. They do a lot of immersive theater with like, uh, we talked about Area Stage Co. Um, some other companies have done like really cool immersive productions there. Uh, the version we saw, so Next to Normal was originally on a Broadway stage, you know, a very traditional musical house. Like uh, I believe it was the Booth Theater where Kimberly Akimbo is currently playing right now. And it's like a smaller, it's a smaller-ish theater on the Broadway scale. Um, but here we're seeing the Zoetic stage where we have the big upside down house set. We're literally walking in the space. There's a gray chair, gray armchair, and just like a, it feels like daytime TV almost, like the way those risers are. And then the cast just moves throughout the space. Like uh, the sun, Gabriel moved through like the, the where we were sitting. Um, it's a very interesting space to see. And I like I like the staging of it because like, it really brings you into the world of this show. You know, it's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think so much of like the disconnect between like a lot of like these emotional pieces of theater is just like the fact that it's in like the, there's no like, there is still, like the very present fourth wall of a musical. Mm -hmm. And it's like here in this immersive space, like you can't like, you're kind of part of it. And I think what's also part of it is like the, the music wasn't loud enough, I felt, at most of the show. So, like, I could hear, like, I mean, I was crying a lot. And I could hear people sniffling, like, mm -hmm. every yeah, second. Yeah, you definitely could hear people crying. And I was like, oh, my God, can we turn up the music, please? Yeah. I loved what they did with, with the set design, though. That house was super cool. I did notice they have the little, like, you know how, like, the, like uh, on parade floats, they have, like, the little wire. So, like, the... You know how like people, well, like a Disney parade, like they have the characters on the float, and you have like, a little wire that prevents them from like falling oh, so off they the don't float. Fall off. They had one of those. I didn't notice. It's like I, I didn't have my glasses. Oh, <laughs> I could see the little. They have a little wire like on the front of the house, and, like the side of the house. It's yeah. so, like very clearly the actors that moved in that part of the space didn't like you know fall off the house. Yeah. It's like, I think, and honestly, I kind of like that set more than the Broadway version because the Broadway set is like, it's like a big, flat house design. And, like, it's interesting because there's a, a pole in it. <laughs> so, like, when he does, I'm alive, I'm alive, I am so alive. Oh, that song slap. He does that. In a, he literally performs that, like, swinging around on a pole. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Aaron Tveit. They were good. Honestly, you know what it is for me? I think that this show took, like, 10 years to make. Um, I think that it works so much in its favor as I think the book is really tight. I don't get the end. The, like, I'm just going to go be mentally ill without you. Well, she goes and to her parents. And then it's like, oh, well, Joe, or whatever the fucking dad's name was. Dan. Dan, do you think you need a psychiatrist too? And he's like, 
well, you know what? I think I do. And they're like, yay, pills for everyone. Oh you know God. what? I'm starting to see ghosts of my son, too. <laughs> Maybe I need shock therapy. <laughs> yeah. Zap me up, doc. <laughs> Clear. <laughs> that's my thing, too. And then everyone's like, yay. <laughs> oh, that's unrealistic, too, that a man gets therapy. Oh, yeah. not realistic. Never. That's why that also takes me out of it too. You know, I was um, I was broken up with by a therapist once. How? I was seeing him, and I was going for like weekly sessions, and we would do like phone calls a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had just gone through a breakup, and I had a session with him. He's like, "Hey, yeah, so like I'm gonna like drop you." As a patient, because I think you're fine. Like, <gasps> I don't think you need me. Um, Wait, fi- da, da, da. oh, fine as near okay. And you know, because he was, uh, he said some bullshit about like how he's going to like get a PhD and could only like really handle a certain amount of patients. Mm, whatever. I'm like, wow. So you're gonna break up with me? And he's like, well, I can refer you to someone else if you want. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, for real, for real. What what was his name? That bastard. And I went out of my way to well, find... Well, protect his name for uh, yeah, safety. I, I went out of my way to find like the only like gay therapist I could find. And then he breaks up with me. And there's none else in my network in Miami. So I'm like, great. What the fuck do I do now? Nobody walks out on me. <laughs> no one walks out on me. This is my first time ever being dumped. Being dumped by a therapist, too? No. What happens when you get dumped on by a therapist? Do they just like re-traumatize you? I guess. I, I mean, I don't know. I think maybe in a lot of ways he was right. <laughs> I just, I, I had the therapist because I was like really sick at the time. Um, I had some like big health issues and uh, some people in my family thought like, yeah, just go see a therapist. Make sure you're okay. Because I think they can tell I was like getting like sick of life. But um, yeah, again, it was just like very like circumstantial for me. You know, yeah. I had a, I was going through a tough time. Of course, I was sad. You know, <laughs> like it's yeah. not, it wasn't happy things happening, but you know, I I pulled through it. And I think part of why he dumped me was because I think he could tell I had like a good head on my shoulders and I could could handle it. So in a way, I'm kind of glad he did. It's kind of a compliment. Right? It's like, oh my god, your mental health is so good. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing too. It's like I. Th- I mean, for when I saw a therapist, too, it was, like, it was very circle, circumstantial uh, instance. And so it's just, like, now I kind of want to see it. I want to, you know, keep t- talking to the therapist just because, like, I think it's good for to have someone to talk to. I don't feel like – I don't really feel myself, like, wanting to get, like, medicated. And, and this is a musical, but, like, there's some very, like, you know, there's some things feel really, you know, rooted in truth. That's just, like mm. – it made me think, you know what? I kind of want the therapist just like talk to someone. I don't think I'd ever like really go on like a regular medication cycle because it's like I think that the mood swings and just like the the what it uh, possible side effects just feel like it's a lot to kind of deal with, and yeah. then to keep paying for a therapist. I mean, I, the therapist is like you know just just more someone to talk to really, uh, in the sense that they can accurately diagnose me with what to do in my life more than like because here's my thing. You know, I give a lot of advice to friends. I try to help them through the situation. I'm not a professional, though. 
It's the burden all gay men must carry in their lives. I've said I'm the grim reaper of, like, everyone ushering people into, like, <laughs> the next part of their life. It's yeah. usually with gayness. Dude, I, like, every co-worker, especially female co-workers I've ever had, tell me all their fucking problems. Like, I strangers. Like, the fucking security guard today. Before we went to the, like, they just start telling me their problems. And I'm you like, have a very trauma-dumpable face. I guess I... And you know something else? I've had, like, an insane amount of people, like, come out of the closet to me, like, before, for the first time. Well, you know what? I've I had, think, like, at least ten. I think if Diana in Next to Normal had a gay man in her life... She would have been less crazy. You know maybe. something? Probably she would have been like. I think we know, fixed the book of the musical right now. We did. We <laughs> did. Obviously, I mean, was it not gay men that wrote? I'm. No. I am actually like really disappointed. The more I take, like, I think like everyone just kind of assumes it's gay men. Mama, musical theater, Broadway, and it's just run amok with these heteros do you remember the 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 south park episode of broadway yeah so literally in that episode it's like andrew lloyd weber stephen schwartz um and the only gay men in that episode are elton john and steve and stephen sondheim yeah it's like literally just like most of the men in that in that broadway episode that they're making fun of like all the uh, you know like the broiness of like you know like uh taking your girl to a broadway musical so she gives you an old-fashioned that's not that far off, actually. Andrew yeah. Lloyd Webber, I'm pretty sure, wrote Phantom just to get Sarah Brightman back. Maybe. It's like a lot of these Broadway people are just bros. I'm just waiting for the one that makes the Ice Spice musical. <laughs> How can I win if I'm already chose? If the party's not lit, then I'd rather not go. <laughs> <laughs> he say that I'm good enough play, play with my... Da da da. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mixing up shit. The I ice bicycle. Have. Ice bicycle coming to Broadway at the Broadhurst Theater in 2026. Can, by the way, Ice Biden. Ice like, Biden. AI Joe Biden is so much. AI than is so fucking dangerous. Joe Biden, like, like AI Biden has me liking Joe Biden actually, <laughs> like, because now I just watch him play like Minecraft all day with Trump. No. <laughs> AI Presidents ah! is my favorite TV show, actually. It's a YouTube series, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I keep seeing the TikToks and shit. I keep seeing it on YouTube. I've been playing, like, Minecraft or, like, Among Us and shit. It's what so are you, some, like, ADD 12-year-old? I, I think I am, actually. We're making a breakthrough here. Wow. We've got a diagnosis. <laughs> and it's the ADDD 12-year-old in the room with us right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, it's uh, it's me half the time. That's my thing. It's like you know, it's the thing about. I feel like the TikTokification of mental health too. <laughs> TikTokification. Like think of, like everyone well, it's is listen, autistic these days. I'm autistic and non-binary. Oh my god, and stop. I have ADHD, and I'm poly. Well, it's like ADHD. It's like I feel like in general, like I. I'm asexual and poly. Stop. I feel like attention spans are diminishing anyway. I want people to start self-diagnosing themselves with Down syndrome. I'd like to start. <laughs> that's that's when we'll know, like the the Chinese TikTok psyop has won. I'd like people to start self-diagnosing themselves as smelly, so they can use deodorant. Yeah, for real. Like you bitches can't. You you can diagnose autism, but you can't smell your fucking tits. Your like, bo stinking up the. 
I know way you. Too many I know you're punk. Here. There's no excuse for you to smell this bad. Oh my god, I know. It's like where is the where's the psyop for deodorant? You. Oh, this is a podcast. You want to wear deodorant. You want, you want to, to wear deodorant. deodorant. Yeah, Ice Spice told you to. We need to. Yeah. Isn't Ice Spice the one that sings? The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. Yeah, that's her. That's She's her. Black Annie. Yeah. Yep. 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 Ah, if the party's not lit, then I'd rather not go. <laughs> the Ice Spicicle. Listen, we were talking about last episode about like people who produce shows. Come on now, we need someone to produce the Ice Spice Broadway Extravaganza. You know. It's it's so true. I, they just keep giving us like one biopic after the other, and we don't want it. I don't want the Ozzy Osbourne musical. I don't want. Be- I don't want the Cher musical. I don't want. I, I don't like. Who are they? Mary J. Blige. That's who's next. Like they're running out of divas. Mary Pretty J. Sure Blige. The Mariah Carey musical. The Mariah Carey musical probably. I that. mean, she's already produced some like it hot on Broadway, which is currently on Broadway right now. But she didn't produce. She wrote them a check. <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> that's what that's what that's what Broadway producing is. That's how RuPaul, I've, uh, what's her name, uh, Jennifer Hudson got her first Grammy. Uh, uh, Tony, producing. she got a to- uh, producing Tony. Um, the only person, one of the only black women to not get a to have all of their egot as performance credits, Viola Davis. Oh wow! Viola Davis is the one of the f- only ones that has it because she did all for all performing. Do you know who has an egot? Whom? Uh, John Legend. You know who else is an EGOT? Who? Scott Rudin. Uh, we love him. Ooh, gay, yeah, we right? bagged on him in the whole last podcast. Yeah. yeah. We need to get him and Wendy together to make Wendy Williams the musical. I mean, he's still got some shady money, I'm sure, in Broadway. Like, yeah. the Wendy... No, no, no. Doll's you know Wendy Williams' story is? Oh. Wendy Williams' story is an opera. It's like it's got the perfect three part structure. There's there's an opera playing in DC this weekend. I think it's called Blue. Which one? Is that Blue something? It's it's just about a police killing an unarmed black kid. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to see this opera. It sounds Is like, it contemporary? Yeah. Yeah. It came out like last year. Oh, I feel like oh the yeah. It's called it's called Blue. It's at the Eisenhower. Yeah. Oh, it's the Kennedy Center. Yeah, it's the Kennedy Center. Um it came out in like twenty twenty. I'm sick of people trying to like like dogpile on these like social issues. Oh my god. It has music by Janine Tesori. You know what Janine like, Tesori George Floyd didn't die for you to make a fucking opera about police brutality. Hold on. I have to uh, this this is very funny to me. Do you know who Janine Tesori is? No. So she's a composer. Okay. She's a white woman composer. True. She has written Fun Home, the the musical about um oh my god what's that lesbian's name, um, uh Bechtel Alison Bechtel. Okay. She wrote um Thoroughly Modern Millie some songs mm-hmm. for Thoroughly Modern Millie, and she wrote the Shrek musical. Just bangers. She did the Shrek musical. So the lady that did the Shrek musical has an opera about police brutality. We love that. Well, also, okay, she also has Kimberly Akimbo, which is currently on Broadway, and this is very, uh, also kind of similar, like, dark comedy about, like, 
a woman with progeria. Like she's like 16, but she looks like she's 60. Oh, that's like the opposite of Anthony Milanakis' disease. Yeah. But it's like it ages her faster too, so it's like she's really not expected to like live that long. Oh, that's kind of the whole crux of the show. Good. But it's one of those shows where it's like it sounds like it's gonna be like a a big Tony sweep basically. Why? Um, it talks about original music. Okay. Big orchestra, um, interesting set design, and a story that's just like, I mean, last year Strange Loop won, and Strange Loop I've t- uh, I've talked about before is one of my favorite things. It's this yeah. very off Broadway kind of feeling show about a black gay composer. I want to see it. Strange Loop sounds good. Well, it's uh, so in summer it's opening in London. So if it's still running by fall when I plan to go to Europe, you know, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to see. It. I want to know what Brits would think of this show because this show is very New York to me because it's literally about there's references to Hell's Kitchen and like going to uh, all of like the the gay nightlife of New York City. I'm like, do they re-regionalize it to London? I hate when countries in Europe try and like appropriate our social issues. Like, when I was in Berlin, every, like, social justice warrior, like, museum I went into... We are not fighting these Joe Rogan allegations. We are call, we're we're critiquing the pharmaceutical industry and right. say... I know, but it's like... Like, the gay museum in Berlin had, like, Black Lives Matter stickers everywhere. It's like, what the fuck do you guys do? Like, there's two black people in Berlin. Like, what, like, what are you guys talking about? Like, stop with the virtue signaling, you know? Are there still cops there? I, I, I don't think they have guns. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they kind of appropriate our stuff. <laughs> they appropriate our stuff. I don't even remember. I, uh, they, because uh, they can't fly a certain flag. Um, they fly the Confederate flag when they want to show that they're a, a shithead. Oh, good. Good. Stars and bars. Yeah. Shall rise again. It's heritage, oh, allegedly. Uh, so we had a two-show weekend, uh, basically. Technically, I had a three-show weekend because I went to see uh, Gypsy. Oh, right. Over in, uh, over in Fort Myers. 2.5 because we left in the middle of Tosca. 2.5? Oh, shut up. I ended I the, the last act. I don't, I forget hours of three fucking acts. You missed the foam pit. <laughs> I, listen, mama, If I, unless I am jumping into that foam pit specifically, I am not interested. <laughs> I don't. Ma, I was falling asleep. I was not. You know what it is for me? Oh. And kind of what, like is the thing why I was like falling asleep in in Paris seeing the producers is when I'm trying to translate in my head what's going on it kind of exhausts me a little but it's it's above it's above the stage yeah I'm reading and I'm trying to look back down I'm like what's happening on the stage oh American doesn't like captions I can I can watch <laughs> movies with captions I can't watch an opera different? with captions yes you can this exhausts me having to keep looking back up and down. I mean, that's the funny thing about opera, too, is, like, I wonder, like, even if I spoke Italian, like, I've seen English language operas, and you still don't fucking understand them. Yeah. Oh. What was that one we saw? The the Perfect Strangers, the um, what was that one? Foreign Travelers. Fellow Travelers. Fellow Travelers. That was in English, but it was, like, 
affected opera English where it's uh-huh. like, Skippy! Skippy, suck my dick! It's like, it's, it I is English. It's fully in English, and I still do not know what's going on. Okay, I'll suck your dick. Oh, it's going to get hot. I don't remember. <sighs> you know something? They're probably straight. Oh, my God. No, they're probably straight. The, the opera boys are always gay. Are they? I have to wonder who opera is like. Okay, controversial statement. Sorry, Schmopra. <laughs> what I'm about to say. Opera needs to innovate because I think it is going to be an art form that does not last. Because when you think about it, musical theater, for now, even though we live in Florida, is still mostly taught in schools. Mm-hmm. Perform Plays are still taught in schools. Classical music is still taught in schools. Yeah. Where does opera fit in? Well, opera is inextricably tied to classical music. Uh, they might not be teaching kids how to sing arias and all that, but... One thing I will say is I've seen, this is my second time seeing Tosca. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw it by Opera National de Paris. De Paris. And, uh, de Paris. And, um, you know, th- that's an opera company that really gets it. Not to say Florida Grand Opera never gets it. But, like, they staged this opera the exact fucking same way it was staged in 1900. Yeah, we were kind but of talking about that. It's like... like but especially with like the, I think it's really necessary to get creative with these old Italian operas. Yeah. Because it's like you know it's funny I was writing my review for it and like it, initially I wrote something along the lines of like oh it's a tale of like love and revenge and this and that and it's like that's what every fucking Italian opera is about <laughs> you know like love and revenge and deception. And What's Barber of Sevilla about? I. Because that's the I one I want it. to see. I haven't seen it. I don't know. Well, um, we're going to see that. That is the one I want it. to see. And but this time, this time, I will get dressed up because I will not have you dragging me there in my regular street clothes like some kind of gumar. I, but we were going to the opening of Next to Normal, too. I thought like that was also an occasion to dress up. I wasn't wearing a suit for... Ne- I don't wear suits for musicals. I mean, it, you don't have to wear a suit. Mama, like, those opera folk were in suits. They, they, girls dress up for the opera. For Not sure. just the girl, the guys. And well, okay, yeah, let's be real. Who they are? These, <laughs> these like failing bank owner. <laughs> no, girl, these are the old people. They're they're retired. Ain't no business going on. They just living off. They the made their money uh, off of several bank collapses. Yeah, and now they're bringing their third wife. Selling timeshares. It's always really funny to see who turns out for an opera. Oh, there were some cuties there, though. But, um, yeah, like, uh, the first production I ever saw of it in Paris, they just, you know, they didn't get too creative with it. You know, sometimes they get a little too contemporary, but the set design really just, like, took this opera into another world, whereas, like, the set design we saw here at the Adrian Arsenal. It was kind of flat. It was just, like... Yeah, it's like we're in Rome in eighteen hundred. Look, it's marble and look painting. here's a gate. Here's a fresco painting, look, and here's we're a... all dressed like Shakespeare. <laughs> like, that's, that's the thing so. too. It's like well, that's the thing is like because we we can bag on contemporary opera, but it's like at the very least, contemporary opera is like trying to like trying yeah. to bring this art form into the twenty first century. Well, and you know, but like the the other production I saw it. Like I said, it, it, they were just creative with how they presented it. You know, 
they it was really dark and dramatic and um it 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 wasn't that they were trying to like place it in a different time it was just presented to us in a way that didn't kind of like uh, i feel like the present like tosca is a really like serious like there's a torture scene in it that's what i mean in the torture scene it was just like everything was like madam butterfly looking like way too like happy clean and and clean yeah that's what when they were talking about torturing this man and putting a crown of spikes around his head i was thinking where's the blood where's the spikes yeah well you never see that that that's always supposed to be off stage. Oh, but come on, you could have just like put dab some like blood on the guy's head he to make blood on him. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. No, he looks like he was just rough. They they, ruff, they, they ruffled his his suit a little. That's... I mean, it's like you know how like the same way in like Little Shop of Horrors when the dentist is like really going in on uh, the patient in that one scene. Right? Yeah. If they do that right, you're like uncomfortable watching that, and that's kind of like what's so great about Little Shop of Horrors. That scene in Tosca is supposed to be very similar. Like, That's what I mean. It's supposed to be, like, to be oh agonizing. My God, this guy and like all we really got was like a. Stop it! You're torturing me. <laughs> yeah, but all like, what in Paris I saw, I was like, holy shit! They're torturing that guy. And then when Tosca kills Scarpia, oh my God! The fucking the, retractable knife. Oh, oh yeah, first of all, like the, the way she killed him in this one. Sorry, uh, Cindy from Florida Grand Opera. If you don't like. Sorry, this, Cindy. This my little more like honest review, but like when I saw him in Paris, I mean, God, that bitch took the knife and like right in him, and he fell down with a thud. And what? Oh, um, he fell down with a thud, and and she goes, "It was the kiss of Tosca," and like. She was just like I'm very like much more like muted in this one I saw, but like oh my god, it was just so like it's like here's my retractable knife. Yeah, yeah. This time it was she got like a couple stabs at him this time, and they kind of like did a little dance on stage, and then he fell over, and I'm like okay, cool. Oh god, it kind of like took the um the poignancy out of the murder for me. Yeah, I will say though, honestly, it's like even though. You're more of an opera person, and I'm far more of a musical theater person. I think where we kind of, like, align on these, and I don't know if this is, like, a thing for just, like, gay men, because it is a, there's a history of it, but, like, the opera diva, you know, like, the one that, like, gets the high-belting arias, Tosca, Tosca, Tosca is, is that, that diva. diva yeah. She, I mean, she commits murder. She fights for her love and her livelihood. She's jealous. She gets, she gets some high-ass high notes. Yeah. In that restativa of hers. Oh my god. That that's Alphaba. That's literally <laughs> that's our Alphaba. That's your Alphaba. Is it? <laughs> Is Tosca Alphaba? Tosca Alphaba. I mean that's it's like a lot of musical that's kind of why musical theater is based Tosca so much on Raya opera. Carey. <laughs> what no? Tosca Raya Carey. <laughs> Like so many musicals are like built around. So uh, this weekend we saw Gypsy mm-hmm. over at the Barbara Manning Center, starring Jody Benson from the Little Ariel is Little Mermaid, and it's like that role, especially for Sondheim musical. Sondheim musicals, I feel like if they're not centered around like a strong male protagonist or like an emotional male protagonist, like West Side Story or Company, it's like it always has this like diva that has to be so well cast. It has to be like really well cast. Um, in Gypsy, uh, some of my favorite 
people to play the role are like Amelda Staunton, who did the pro shot. Yeah, literally. Uh, she's Professor Umbridge in the Harry Potter series. Oh, really? Yes, she does. She's a character actress. She. That's my thing. I do not remember her. I. I don't care for Harry Potter because fuck J.K. Rowling. But like, Amelda Staunton's career after Harry Potter is so sad that people only know her for Harry Potter because mm-hmm. she's a character actress. Yeah. Does these Sondheim roles so well? She's uh, the next Jen Coolidge. She's. She's British Jen Coolidge. Oh my god. Oh no no no. You know who that be? You know who's British Jen Coolidge? Um um uh the one who plays Patsy. Um oh well, I, yeah. Not Jennifer Saunders. Um the other one. The other one. Fred. Sweetie darling. Sweetie darling. Oh my god. Uh, cause she was also in. A, she was also in James and the Giant Peach. I did not remember. There's the this the funniest moment ever that she had in uh one of the AbFab specials where they finally go and find like the long lost son in New York city. And he's like this bookworm and they find him working at the strand and, uh, you know, they're just like, why, why did you run away from me, sweetie? I love you. I'm your mother. Like, why, why, why did you run away from me? Why don't you ever talk to me? Why don't you come visit? And he's like, you were so mean to me when I was a kid. You put me through so much abuse. All I wanted to do was read my books. And then there was the one day I, I came home and, and you had taken all my books and you burned all of my books. Why did you burn all of my books, Mom? You and this Patsy lady. Why did you burn all of my books? And Patsy, Patsy goes, lady. we were cold. Like <laughs> 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 just absolutely oh like indifferent. God. Like just, we were cold. <laughs> My oh. favorite line in all of them. Is that is that is that that sounds like a Jennifer Saunders line? Well, no, no, Patsy, Patsy. Oh, yeah. Joanna Lumley. Yeah, yeah. Dame yeah. Joanna Lumley. Yeah, Dame Joel. Yeah, my favorite. She is the she's the British Jennifer Coolidge. She yeah, for sure. Because she plays like blonde bimbo characters, but yeah. she's like, bit an incredible character actress. Oh, I forget she's in Corpse Bride. Oh my god. Wow. wow. Corpse Bride, James and the Giant Peach. So many things that are like quote artsier yeah but she also plays like bimbo characters like mean bimbo characters <laughs> honestly that kind of was jennifer coolidge in uh what's it called the cinderella story i remember that one that was i hate to tell you this but you're not very pretty and you're not very bright i'm so glad we had this talk <laughs> the problem with my jennifer coolidge is it goes to owen wilson if i don't do it high enough <laughs> Or you look like the Fourth of July. July makes me want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> oh, sweetie. I saw this woman like walking around like big tits, but she's a brunette and has like, oh. this like turquoise like sundress on, walking around like TJ Maxx the other day, and I just said to myself, I was like, these gays, they're, they're trying, trying to, to murder me. <laughs> never even seen white lotus me either I just, know the I just know it's made by the same guy who did school of rock i have never seen any of these like social media netflix phenomena well you know why i never saw bird box i never saw white game lotus. of thrones i never saw game of thrones i never saw uh what's like I, the one i did see was tiger king honestly it's why i love everything everywhere all at once because it was the only kind of social media ish movie that wasn't ruined for me. Everything I have heard about Game of Thrones, about Bird Box, uh, Breaking Bad, 
uh, Walking Dead, all these shows, was that they were ruined for me the second like an episode happened. Yeah, it's like, it's like okay, that plot sounds cool. I wish I would have just seen it. So it's like any interest I had in the show just like got squashed. Yeah, oh, for sure. But that's what I have musicals for because no one can ruin them for me. Yeah, I enjoy going to see live entertainment a lot more than watching TV though. It's like. Know. Even in this podcast, you know, we're not, like, ruining shows. We're just, like, giving our opinion on what we saw. Yeah. And it's, like, I feel like we try to not give away too much of, like, plot points because it's, like, there's so much. You have to see this. You have to see some of these shows. I th- Honestly, I think Next to Normal would kind of be bad if it was, like, a pro shot, like, recording of it. I think Next to Normal works as a stage yeah. show. Well, and honestly... um, Maybe this is more true for like opera than Broadway, but like, I I don't care if the plot to a musical or an opera is spoiled. Actually, especially with an opera, you want to know. Make sure I know. Yeah, because sometimes it's hard to follow if you're not already like if you don't already know what's gonna happen. Honestly, I fell asleep through so much of Tosca, (laughs) and I still was able to somehow keep up with the plot. Yeah, and it's like, um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, because you're going for the performance at the end of the day you're not yeah going to, like be surprised well you're going right. for performance and you're going to see because every show every the the magic of live theater is that something could go wrong yeah well like, and then also it's like you get the whole story beginning middle and end mm-hmm. during the course of watch you don't know when these things are going to happen oh yeah you know like like i went into tosca knowing like tosca kills some guy right but like mm-hmm. you don't know or who she's killing. Yeah, or who. And also, like, you could know that the whole musical. It like, kind of catches you up for musical opera. Day after day. Like next to normal, I went when I first saw it the first time. You know, the only thing I knew was one song, Superboy and the Invisible Girl. I did not know the context of it, I didn't know where it was in the show. And then when I saw it live the first time, the girl playing Natalie, her mic cut out. <sighs> and so I was like, that's the one thing I knew about this show, and I can't <laughs> even hear it. But that's the thing, is it kind of gave me a bigger appreciation, honestly, because it was like my first show, like post COVID. It was like, that's kind of the magic of live theater is that it yeah. is live and that. Anything can go wrong. And all these people on this stage are trying to just mitigate as little things going wrong as possible. Yeah. And that's what this industry is. And I think that's kind of what people have to adapt for, you know. I mean, even in, like, the era of, like, I mean, we love Gable Stage. And they always live stream their shows. Mm -hmm. It's, like, finding the, gosh, that kind of middle ground. Now, even though people, like... Uh, they talked at Zoetic Stage and how, like, you know, attendance is still kind of down and they really want to, you know, get people get back into the theater. It's like there needs to just be this, like, you know, marketing strategy for these companies to say, hey, this is what you see when you see this show. Um, and this is what really, you know, brings it in. I think with Next to Normal, like, in 2011 to sell this show, it ran for like two years basically on Broadway and it had national, had North American tour that never came to Florida. It's like to sell this show to this to a different market, I feel has to come from, you know, it is a very kind of grim show. There's a lot of just like darkness in it. But I think that 
inevitably at the end of the day, it has a really good message. And at the end, I, you know, during that finale, I did find myself still like sobbing, but it wasn't like a sad sobbing. It was like a really hopeful sobbing. It was a confused sobbing. Now the dads on them too. Are they all going to kill themselves? That's, you know what? It should just really end with everyone getting Baker acted, I think. (laughs) That's what just happened. And then they all do like a dance number in their grippy socks. Oh, like the like the Rocky Horror sequel shock shock treatment. Yes, (laughs) exactly. You need a bit of ooh shock treatment. (laughs) It's exactly what we need. It's like what's it called? I have a lot of you know what we have to do hmm. next to normal part two next to normal but yeah we should how would we it would start with diana at her grand at her parents house but it'll be like a mashup like you know how they used to do like jimmy neutron meets like timmy turner the jimmy timmy power it'll be, hour it'll be doll's house part four. Oh my god meets next to normal part four part two part four and it'll be nora meets she, diana meet, they meet diane they a lot of parallels there. There were Diana, a lot. You know, honestly, I kind of did clock the parallels. You know. It's like and troubled also, mother. What are dolls? Valley of the dolls type dolls. Take your doll. The dolls. They're pills. Oh, That's, really? That, have you ever heard of Valley of the Dolls? It's that old book slash movie. I know the. I about, kind of know the movie. Um, like loosely based on Judy Garland, I think, and her like abuse of prescription drugs in like, oh, the sixties. Yeah. Which, and by they the call way, it Valley of the Dolls, because dolls is like the nickname for the pills. Dolls House, dolls. It was all right in front of us the whole time. We have the play right wow. here. Alt musical. I think I Let's play with music. Oh my! Stop. Uh, what's it called? Quick tangent, because I was just thinking about this. Judy Garland was not on a. Uh, Judy Garland was not forced to be on pills and cigarettes when she was filming The Wizard of Oz. Like, every week I feel like I see this same TikTok that's like, did you know Judy Garland was forced on a diet of pills and cigarettes while filming choice. The Wizard of Oz? They like, didn't have Ozempic yet. Oh, my God. Oh, she would have been skinnier. Can you imagine? Skin it's like, Judy Garland was already on that because of her mother. Yeah. And it's like, and also it was like the, the 40s. Everyone was smoking then. Yeah. They didn't know it could kill you. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, everyone, take your Prozac. <laughs> take your pros. Take your Ozempic. And your Ozempic too, because you need to be. Finished. Oh, 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 Ozempic. Yeah. Auto parts. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. For absent friends, I've been JD. And I have been Sam. You can see me at WTLGOMag. And you can find all of my stuff at Florida Zodiac. And we'll see you at the theater. I'll drink to that and then.